As a child, I would often wonder when we're going to eat dinner, although we ate it at the same time every day. I would incessantly ask, when do we eat? And it got on my mother's nerves. One day after asking her again, when do we eat? She turned to me and said, have you ever missed a meal? This question stopped me in my tracks. After thinking, I said, no. She then told me to go and sit down and wait. She was making a point about how she has provided for me all my life and she wouldn't stop today. In this episode of Groundwork, we want to look at the concept of providence, where God takes care of all of creation and how that affects our understanding of finances. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we have been in a four-part series. This is the last one of God and finances. And in the first episode, we talked about how God views finances and possessions in the Old Testament. And in the second episode, we talked about his teachings in the New Testament. And in the third episode, right before this, we talked about the concepts of tithing and stewardship. So now we want to talk about God's providential care and the importance of trusting in the God who provides for things. And in some ways, Providence is actually kind of woven through uh, this whole series. But uh, for this last episode, we, we saved a singular concentration uh, on Providence. And, you know, Daryl, in, in the Bible, there are a lot of descriptors, descriptions of, of God's character. But the one that we want to zero in on uh, is that God is the providential God. God is the provider. Providence, provider, it's right in there. It's an important uh, word in the Reformed tradition, Daryl, that uh, you and I are a part of, because we believe that we serve a God who is utterly sovereign over all creation, and he cares for all creation. And providence is God's taking care of his creation. He tends to us, he feeds us, he nurtures us, he watches over us. That is a fundamental characteristic of the God of Scripture. And Scripture is replete with all of the—we would be all day. It could be its own series Mm, to show all the places in Scripture where God has shown his provider and in his providential care, taking care of all things. But there is a verse here in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6, that says, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you you. So we see God is the one who creates and he's taking care of the things that he created. God is active. Uh, Psalm 145 sounds a similar theme to that Nehemiah passage you just read, Daryl. Psalm 145 verses 15 and 16, the eyes of all look to you, O God, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. So in those two verses, we see God as the creator of life, giving life. But we also, in the second passage you just read, we see that he is sustaining life. So God is not up in heaven winding up the watch and turning his eyes away, but he's actually paying attention to every detail of all living things. And that's what he does. And that's the evidence of his providence. He's caring for the things he made. One of the oldest false teachings, or we could call it a heresy, Mm -hmm. uh, in Christian uh, history, and and it may have been a heresy even uh, for Israel, was what we now call deism. Deism. The idea of what you just said. Yep, God set the universe to spinning in the beginning, and since then he's kind of turned his back, and he's he's doing other things. But he's not really that close to our daily lives. He's not paying much attention to how we live. He's not uh, actively involved. He created it, and then he walked away. 
No, the Bible says absolutely not. God created it, and he continually creates it. Actually, there's a doctrine of the church which has been neglected uh, in recent times. When we think about the creation in recent times, because of, of some you know disagreements in the church about the age of the universe and when did God create and how old is the universe and is evolution true, we kind of think of creation as a one-and-done deal. You know, when did God create? Oh, 6,000 years ago or 14 billion years ago? But in the Bible, there's this thing called creatio continua, the continual act of creation, right? God has never stopped creating. He's still creating new daisies. He's still creating new babies. He's creating new polywogs, and he's creating new vineyards. I mean, God is continually creating and continually providing. If we serve a God who is continually active in his creation and paying attention to every detail, that should give us comfort in times of uncertainty. When I feel like I might not have enough money or I'm not going to make the bills, we do know that our God's character has not changed. Even the one we're reading about in the Old Testament and New Testament, his character is still to provide for his children like a good father does. And then he gives humanity the responsibility by extension to take care of the things that he has given them responsibility for, just like he did with Adam in the garden. You know, we read that Psalm 145 line a moment ago, Daryl, that all creatures look to you and you give them their food in due time. The Old Testament, uh, in the Psalms in particular, but also we see this near the end of the book of Job, you know, where God comes to Job and in answer to his question, why do bad things happen to good people? God gives him a tour of the cosmos and says, you know what I'm doing a lot of the time? I'm watching the donkeys cavort in the wilderness. I'm helping the deer give birth to fawns. I'm feeding the storks up on their scrapes within it. God is saying, I'm involved with all of these creatures all of the time. Indeed, it's a very involved God. And we have to know, you know, and particularly now in this series where we've been thinking about God and finances, that has to be enough for us to know that because the world, Daryl, always wants us to want more. Because the world is constantly pushing us to want more and never be content with what we have, we could easily forget that God has been providing the whole time, that he's been creating and he's been sustaining and he's been providing. You know, we've never missed a meal. We've always had a roof over our head and clothes on our backs, and we thank God for those things. And as I pray, I teach our children to remind themselves that, hey, these things aren't just automatic. Our God is providing them, and he is the one that gives us the ability to pay the rent, to go grocery shopping and things like that. And the stewardship that he teaches us is something that we are going to be learning for the rest of our lives. How do we take care of and how do we honor God with what we have been given? And what you teach your children, Daryl, is so important because in a society that wants us to supersize everything, supersize me, right? They used to say, you know, <laughs> super big drinks, super big meals, more, bigger, better, now new and improved. The problem with that constant focus on bigger, better, supersized is that what you just said, you're always thinking about getting something more. And therefore, you're never praying a prayer of thanksgiving of what you already got right. and what God already provided, right? It's a Christian discipline, and you're, you're instilling it in your children, and Christian parents do that. It's a Christian discipline to pause, take stock, and say, it's enough. And it's enough because it's what God has given to me. And if we focus on what we have been given as enough and what we need, then it will actually set and quell the desire to want more. But as we go into the next segment, we want to talk about what Jesus has to say about this when he teaches on the subject. So stay tuned. What 
what does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we're going to jump into the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew chapter 6, because Jesus is talking about God's providential care when he's teaching about it in Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, Scott, there's so much good stuff in here. Yeah. It's, it, Jesus initially starts talking about worry. And worry happens when we don't feel like we're going to get what we need to make it. And that actually happens in a lot of people, even believers, where mm. we're like, oh, what is God going to be able to provide for me like he promised? Are we going to have enough to make it through? And Jesus steers them away from material possessions to find security in. Our security comes from our Heavenly Father who feeds the birds, who clothes the flowers, and we are worth more than they are. So why wouldn't he take care of us? There's a rhetorical technique. It's summed up in a Latin phrase, uh, ad minior maius, from the minor to the major. And Jesus uses this all the time. He says, look, mm-hmm. if God's taking care of a chickadee and you're worth more than a chickadee, you think he's going to leave you alone, right? If God's taking care of a daylily in the field, you're worth more than a daylily. You think he's not going to take care of you? So it's ad minior maius, from the minor to the major. Jesus uses this technique all the time. But the point is, God has got his eye on us. And it's what we said in the previous part of the program, Daryl. We are very, very, very far from being deists, where we think God is aloof, remote, not watching, not caring, not doing anything for us. Nope. We think God is intimately involved. Jesus uses references that would be aha moments for the people he's talking to, like that reference to Solomon's splendor. Solomon was not clothed more than these flowers were. And I mean, long story short, Solomon was a very rich, if not the richest king in the history of Israel. And he had a lot of adornments. He had a lot of fancy clothes. He had a lot of things. And and Jesus turns it on his head and says, you see these flowers? They're clothed better because the Heavenly Father has clothed them and you're worth more than those flowers. These flowers are going to be taken up and burned in the fire tomorrow, but God is still taking the time to care for them and make sure that they're clothed correctly. How much more will he do it for you? And Jesus has some interesting things about worry here because what he's basically saying is worry just 
sucks life out of you. You can't add an hour to your life by worrying about it, right? right? So in other words, it's saying worry is is a dead end. It just it's life taking. It's never life giving. However, I think we should say uh, at this point something we've tried to say throughout this series, and that is, it is okay to have proper concern. Right. That your children, for instance, will have enough. And, you know, in the beginning of the program, you were blessed. I was blessed to have a mother who could say to you, my mother could say to me, have you ever missed a meal? And the answer in my life was nope. Of course not. But there are children who miss meals in this world and their mothers can't do anything about it, right? They're, they're, they're in a, a, an impoverished situation. They're going through a famine. They're going through a drought. And and some of us go through lean times. And we, we, we said at the very, very beginning of this series – that our listeners have often sent in questions about, well, where do you cross the line from proper concern to have enough money to the kind of worrying that Jesus is speaking negatively about, like in Matthew 6? It's hard to know where that line is, but there certainly we need to point out having due concern, particularly in lean times, that isn't sinful worrying. That's just being prudent. So we are called to be responsible Christians as well. We can't over-spiritualize the fact that there are tangible needs in our lives. And what I found is that sometimes God will answer the prayer in an unconventional way. So, okay, I need X amount of money for my rent. I don't have that money. But then someone comes and they bless me by not giving me the money, but they go straight to the landlord and take care of the problem. Like even in my own life, when I was going to college and undergrad, I'm filling out for my fast forms and I realize I don't have the tuition in in time of the classes and they will drop your classes if you don't mm-hmm. pay in 24 hours but the academic dean held my classes I don't know what caused him to do that actually I do it was God that held my classes so that I could attend on the first day and then I was able to have the FAFSA come through at a later date so I didn't get the money in the traditional sense I didn't get the tuition paid on time from my pocket but God still solved the problem providing the fact that I could go to college. And we've seen God do many things that are unconventional if we don't narrow him down to, will you have to send me the money right now to my hands. If we don't limit God, we can see him blessing in tremendous ways. Exactly. God can solve our, our problems and, and, and provide. We're thinking about providence. He can provide for us in a lot, a lot of creative ways that go beyond just maybe the most obvious solution that we can see in any given moment. But certainly, you know, our, our belief in God's providence is tested uh, when there are tense times, right? Uh, when there are times when we're not engaging in sinful worry, but we're properly a little nervous about something. We're properly a little concerned about something. And certainly, you know, when people lose a job, that they never thought they would lose when the mortgage is due and it's just not there. These are things that properly concern us. These become proper petitions in our prayer life to God. But we pray to God. That's one of the things we've been saying in this episode. When we pray to God, we're not praying to a God who's far away and that we have to sort of say, hey, by, oh, God, I know you haven't been watching, but you know we're running out of money here. We don't have to tell God that. He knows. We have to believe that somehow, some way, in the end, he will still provide, even though there are moments when we say, I have no idea, God, how you could do this. And so it's also important that Jesus says that. He says, don't pray about those things or don't seek after those things that pagans seek after them. And your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him. He promises to get us what we need, not everything we want. But as we wrap up this episode, we want to look at some practical applications. So stay tuned. 
glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Scott Jose, along with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork and this fourth and final episode of our four-part series on God and finances. We're thinking a lot about providence, Daryl, in this particular episode. God, we have said, is not aloof. He's not blind. He's not far off thinking other thoughts that have nothing to do with us and our lives and our kids and our finances. He is actively providing for all creatures, including all of us. And so let's conclude uh, the whole series here, Daryl, with five observations, five practical takeaways. Well, the first one that I would think is that God is not holding out on us. Uh, on the contrary, he's given us the best of everything. He's given us the beautiful creation. He's given us his one and only son that he loves for our salvation. He's given us each and every day. So Satan had this trick where mm-hmm. he tried to get Adam and Eve to, oh, did God really say don't eat from that tree? He's trying to get at, is God really good? Is God holding out on you? Why wouldn't he give you that tree of knowledge of good right. and evil if he says that he's good? So if we trust the fact that God, God is not holding out on us, that he's literally watching over us and giving us what we need each day. A piece of contentment will set in our hearts. So this is literally the oldest trick in the book. God's <laughs> holding out on you, Eve. God's holding out on you, Adam. Your best life now is is available and God's holding it back, right? Oldest trick in the book. Anything that leads us to be discontent, unthankful, you know, the original sin may not have been pride, as we've often been taught. It was covetousness. Yeah. Eve, Eve coveted the fruit that God said they couldn't have. When we covet, it's a way of saying, God hasn't given me enough. So lesson number one, God is not holding out on us. We believe in a generous God. Lesson number two, and this follows directly on that, don't take matters into your own hands. When you take matters into your own hands, it is showing that you do not trust the Lord's timing or pace when it comes to his providential care. Sometimes we think God is moving far too slow, so we take matters into our own hands. I'll give you two examples. One is from Achan in Joshua chapter 7, and God tells Joshua's army, don't take any of the possessions, Mm -hmm. devote them to the Lord. But Achan decides to take a piece of gold and hide it under and bury it in his tent, and he says, I'm going to take this for me. He coveted what was God's. And the fact that he took matters into his own hands and didn't trust in God's provision led to some deaths for the mm. soldiers. And it the sin in the camp really hurt them because he took matters into his own hands. And the other example is Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Right. They sold some property. They weren't really required, per se, to give all the money to God, but they said they were giving all the money to God and hiding some of the rest of it. So it was their lying that got them in the trouble, not that they didn't give 100% of the sale of a certain piece of property to God. They lied, and they, they lied because, again, same thing. Well, if we don't hold this back— God's not going to come through for us. So we're going to we're going to take care of ourselves. So they they wanted to hide it from God as though a God wouldn't know that they were doing that and b assuming God's not on top of stuff including what they need. 
Obviously, we've said this whole series long, Daryl. Of course, we have to work. Work honestly. We read from Ephesians earlier in this series. Work honestly with your hands so you can have something to share with those in need. Of course, we don't just sit back and say, oh, well, if God provides, I don't need a job. I don't have to try hard to be a good employee. No, no, no. But on the other hand, we don't try to live in such a way that says, well, God's not going to come through, so I got to take this on my own and do it my way. No. That's true. There's a book that talks about uh, practical atheists when you live mm. as if God mm. doesn't exist and you work as if God isn't working on your behalf. And that is an issue when you take matters into your own hands. But God is actually there and he wants to help us. And another thing that he calls us to is to practice contentment. And now we see in Paul in Philippians four, who wrote this uh, letter to the Philippians while he was in prison. He said that he found the secret to being content with whatever the circumstance, whether he had a lot, whether he had a little, and he could trust God in hard circumstances when it felt like ends were not going to meet. This is why he said, I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I do like in that passage that uh, Paul said, I have learned. Oh, yeah. I have learned the secret to be content, whether I have a lot or a little. It's a reminder that even as believers, we do have times of lean years. We do have times of having a little. But Paul says, I've learned to be content. A fourth lesson that we can uh, use to close out this series, we continually pray for God's provision. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, you pray that every day. Every day, it's a reminder of who gives you your bread and to whom to give thanks when you get it. Uh, it's a discipline to continue to pray for God's providence in your life. When we say grace at every meal, we say, thank you, God, because this is a resource, but you are the source. You are the one who gives us this bread, and we thank you for that. And it's a constant reminder to remember who it comes from, and our God calls us to do that each and every time we eat. It builds our faith. It quells our fears when we pray and talk to God about the things we worry about, and it will give us peace. So. One, God is not holding out on us. Two, don't take matters into our own hands. Trust God. Three, practice contentment. Four, pray for God's provision. And fifth and lastly, always, always, always remember that when you're blessed, remember where it came from. And that goes back to something we looked at in another program from Deuteronomy. When you get to the promised land and you've got everything you need in, in ways that will be totally different Israel than when you were in the wilderness, a place of scarcity, still you have to remember it's all God all the time, and that's what we have to remember. The scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from above because Jesus reminds us that our Heavenly Father is taking care of us. And when it comes to finances, God has us covered because he gives us what we need. And for those who are in lean times, I think it's a wake-up call for those who have plenty to become the blessing, to be generous, to share what they have. Because in the old economy God had, there were people who took care of each other in community. And I believe that he's also calling us as believers to take care of one another in community. And we see God's hand in that because he is the one that is generous first. All of this stems from the providence of God. And if it's one thing that we know and that we've seen throughout this series, believing in a providential God who, who tends to our finances and tells us what our right attitude toward money should be, none of that is to say that life is always smooth sailing, um, right? Our belief in God's provision can be tested during the lean times, but our belief in providence in those times provides comfort and hope. Two things we really, really need, comfort and hope. Yeah, seasons of scarcity come, but it's not that God isn't concerned. He's still watching over us. 
And the beautiful thing is that we're all marching towards shalom. But mm. when the end of times comes, when everything is happening and nothing is missing and nothing is broken, that will be when we rejoice. But we can actually practice that today in individuals and in communities and amongst one another to be the blessing that God has called us to be thanks to his providential care. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney, and we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. Connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com. Share what Groundwork means to you. Tell us what you'd like to hear next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 